Locked On Canucks, your daily podcast on the Vancouver Canucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, welcome to today's episode of Locked On Canucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And as always, thank you for making Locked On Canucks your first listen of the day. My name is Nick Bondi. I'm joined, as always, by my brilliant co-host, Lachlan Irvin, live from the bowels of the British Columbia Institute of Technology. Lachlan, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. You're doxing me right at the beginning of this very clearly live show. Yeah, um, I, I was channeling my inner Don Taylor there. Oh, oh yeah, that's a that's yeah, that's always you can't get enough Don Taylor. That's a there's there's no such thing as too much Don Taylor. That's that's if that's something we've learned, I think in 2021 is that oh. is absolutely that. Yeah, absolute legend in this town. But uh, Lachlan, lots to get into on this show. We had our first. I think we decided to call it the Ca- Cascadia conflict um, on la- on last episode uh, the rivalry between Vancouver. And Seattle. So lots to get into in that game. We'll, of course, lead off the show with that. We'll talk about Elias Patterson and his strigg- struggles to start the season. Serious problem or just what they are, er- early struggles. And we'll end the show with a bit of uh, Pacific Division check in, see how the other teams in the Pacific Division that the Vancouver Canucks are battling with for a spot in the playoffs uh, are doing so far five or six games into the season. They've all played a, a different amount of games so far, but uh, let's get into it, Lachlan. Uh, Saturday night, Vancouver versus Seattle, the first game in what promises to be uh, a, a long rivalry with the Seattle Kraken at the Climate Pledge Arena in uh, in downtown Seattle, right by the Space Needle. That's where the uh, that's where the arena is. If uh, people are curious, right, pretty close to the Space Needle. I remember walking by it uh, a couple years ago, uh, going to a Seahawks game. But I, yeah. I digress. Uh, Canucks versus Kraken. I think very obviously Thatcher Demko, first, second, third star, uh, fourth star as well, if that's even the thing you want to give him. Uh, he, he was amazing in that game. We talked about it on a previous episode, how the Canucks kind of got goalied in that Saturday game, last Saturday game against Detroit. Well, they did that to Seattle. I mean, Demko was making uh, five alarm, five star saves, especially through the second and third period. He was the reason the, the Canucks were in that game and, uh, and had a chance to win it. Connor Garland. Again, another a previous episode, we said this guy is sl- rapidly becoming a fan favorite here in Vancouver. I think he cemented himself as a fan favorite here in Vancouver with the game-winning goal in the very first home game against Seattle. Great move to uh, fake slap shot right through the uh, the five-hole of uh, Philip uh, Grubauer. The rivalry, I think, is officially on. It was a great atmosphere at that game lock-in, right? It was, uh, it was the, the barn was rocking. Uh, the arena looks uh, kind of cool. I, I have to admit, I'm not a fan of the two giant screens. I think that's kind of whack for an arena. Uh, but it, you know what? We And again, our last episode, I said that the mood of this team will completely change if they manage to get four points against Chicago and then Seattle. And they did exactly this, that, right? Like we can put away the pitchforks at least for a bit until uh, the, the next time we, we're, we're able to panic because they got four points. Uh, it's a completely different mood heading into the home opener now uh, tomorrow night against Minnesota Wild since they got that win against Seattle. Yeah, I mean, uh, we talked about it like in the in the in the last show about how I think the Seattle game is going to be like one of the biggest games of the season, even this early in. Like this is this is a big game. Like this matters not just 
in the terms of the season, but in terms of like setting a tone for literally the rest of your history of your NHL history, more likely, more or less. Um, and you know, like, I don't know if you saw during the, the broadcast at one point, they, during hockey nights broadcast, they pulled up like, uh, they pulled up like a graphic showing like the history of Vancouver and Seattle sports of like playing against one another. Uh, the first graphic was the first uh, line had the Vancouver Grizzlies and the Seattle Supersonics. At which point, said, Seattle won twenty of twenty-four against yeah, them. Or both something. dead, both gone. R.I.P. Uh, the Grizzlies never deserved to leave. Uh, if you can take one thing out of today's show, it's that the Grizzlies got completely screwed. Yeah. Uh, and, got Seattle screwed the and Seattle did too. And Seattle did too. Seattle, Seattle did too. probably even more so. Uh, yeah, probably even more so. I would agree with that. Um, and then uh, they showed the White Caps and the Sounders, which the Sounders have dominated that rivalry in the MLS. Yeah, it's hardly been a rivalry. Yeah, it's hardly. <laughs> Let's be it's, honest. It's, it's only been. It has hardly been a rivalry. Vancouver has really struggled to win any games in Seattle. Um, and I forget exactly who the third graphic was for, but it was another one where it was like Seattle's like. Uh, it was probably like the Vancouver Giants and the Seattle Thunderbirds, and the Thunderbirds have obviously been around a lot longer. Um, but, uh, so yeah, like Seattle has generally dominated the Vancouver in the few sports rivalries that they've had, like they very clearly had the upper hand. So it's never really felt true. So for the Canucks to come in and win the first game to win that first game against Seattle in this time around, it was like, yes, this is our, don't you get it? This is our sport. Damn it. Like this is our, this is the game that we've been playing for 50 years. Like you got, you got some catching up to do. Um, yeah. Thatcher Demko, uh, absolutely stood on his head. Uh, clearly like the whole, like, like, look, we can talk about the points all we want. Like, again, I always say that, you know, it's not about how you win or lose. It's not about winning or lose. Like the points matter, of course, but like, it, it definitely matters about how they're winning and how they're losing games uh, in the long run and how you can improve on that. And let's be honest, they weren't the better team in that game for most stretches of the night. The, the, they had a good first period. That the there were the first period the, the Canucks definitely looked good. The most concerning thing for me going forward is the fact that I have not seen them play a full sixty minute game yet. Uh, because Seattle after that point there was the there was the Vince Dunn goal with about three seconds left. Uh, set the the entire crowd off like like loud building by the way. Yeah, Very it, it was a hell of a pop when Vince Dunn scored that goal. Yeah, that and that's cool. That that was cool. Like in terms of like seeing like hockey, like the growth of hockey, like that's always a cool moment. Um, but yeah, after that point on, the Kraken were more or less dominating possession. They were controlling the play. The Canucks just got opportunistic. Like they were, they took advantage of the few sh of the few chances that they were getting. And, uh, yeah, like Bo Horvat had a pretty good game as well. Like he had, uh, he was, he was making things like he was very much, he put the team on his, on his shoulders at points during that, during that game. Um, and, uh, and then, and, uh, ended up with two goals on the night. Uh, even like Mark Giordano, like Mark Giordano took the two one lead, like midway or early in the third period. Uh, the Canucks still and the Canucks again, we're not being, we're not playing particularly well by that point. And, Yet they still got key op key con contributions from that second line. That that second line completely saved them in that game as well. Like in terms of from a scoring standpoint, uh, Horvat, yeah. Garland, and Pearson, they they looked very good. They're looking very good as a unit. Um, and yeah, yeah, Thatcher Demko completely stood on his head. Had easily his best game of the year. 
Um, he, 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 uh, it was very much his night. Like that was one of those games, like, especially where like, you know, for a new franchise, like the Kraken 50 years down the road, people are going to be talking about how, Oh, do you remember that first game off oh, only Thatcher Demko wasn't in that. Like that was a, that's a game where legends are made. Like that's a game where like, he becomes like, he becomes like that big, that, that larger than life figure in Seattle sports kind of thing. in like Seattle sports lore. So it was cool to see him put up that night, uh, that kind of a game. And then Connor Garland, yeah, with that key goal at the very end. And then uh, the whole little bit, I don't know if you saw, there was the highlight of him staring down. Yeah, some uh, some fan, some Kraken fan was chirping Connor Garland. He gave him a death stare. Yeah, see, yeah. It's, it's a goal. It's a stuff like that. That's why he's already a fan favorite here in Vancouver. Yeah, exactly. ESPN caught that, which was very funny. Like again, like a, just a uh, just another case of uh, having more broadcaster. Good broadcasting makes everybody better because then you get that whole, you get literally you get they caught the camera vision. They caught the clip of the 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 shot of him staring down the fan behind the glass, <laughs> and it's fantastic. Oh, it, um, it's such a good shot, man. Yeah, shout out to Emily Kaplan for noticing that from between the benches because that was awesome. Um, it was, yeah, overall that game was, the game was fun to watch. It was entertaining. Um, like you said, I think the arena looks really cool. Like, I will say that I am all for the the two, the double scoreboard thing uh, as somebody, because like, look, the score, when the scoreboard hangs in the center, like it makes sense for sure. But then you, but there's a huge section of the building that's sitting on the opposite ends of the building. So they're so far away from the screens. Like it's close for the people. That's why you make the like, screen big so they can see the, it. But most make of the one time they only, make, they only make the screens. Like if you, whenever you see like the really, really big jumbotrons, you ever notice like the, the screen is huge on the, like the, like the lengthwise side. And then it's short on the ends. Like it's short on the two ends. Well, yeah, sides. those so, like, side seats people, are the cheap seats. But yeah, but that's still, it's like you're getting screwed. Like if you're sitting in the cheap seats and that's all you but can now, afford, But now you're, you're paying for the screwed. expensive seats at the Climate Pledge Arena and now you're getting screwed. Well, no, because you've got two, now you get two full They're on the opposite, you're sitting in the middle, they're on the opposite sides of but the building. But they're tilted in, but they're tilted inwards. So if you're sitting in the know, middle, like, like you still like get it. a good, you still get you're a good You're making good point, you're not going to lock it, you're not going to convince me that the two screen system is a good idea. Fair enough. I like them. I think it's cool. Um, I think the arena itself, they did such a, they did such a good job with that building. Um, it looks cool. Yeah. Besides the two screen thing, it looks cool. Yeah, it, they've and done it's a underground. Really... People, I think, like they mentioned on the broadcast, like the the roof is at like street level. The actual yeah. buildings like built underground. Yeah. Did you ever go to the old Key Arena? Did you ever go? Um, I might have. I think I think I might have gone to actually a Sonics game, or I think I remember, I remember going to something there when I was a kid with my okay. dad. I don't okay, remember yeah. what. So yeah, it's very different now. Like to the point where there was one really sh the shot I really liked. Well, uh, it's, it's a it's a totally new arena essentially, except for the yeah. roof. Which Literally, was, I guess, the, they yeah, like a heritage thing or something like that, so they couldn't touch it. Yeah, and that's and that's honestly fine because that that roof looks awesome because uh, that roof's really cool. Um, but like the one of the cool things I liked is they actually um, somebody from the press box took a picture of. So now there's like a glass feature on the very on the opposite ends that no, used to be you know only see into like the concourse area beforehand. Now it sees actually into the ice, like into the ice surface. And you could see literally a row, like the whole row of like Kraken fans watching the game from behind that glass outside. Oh, I'm sure that and that's loves like, that. that's a lot of bunch of people paying, not watching, the, not paying to watch the game. I'm sure he loves that. 
who cares? They can't. That's it's still that's awesome. Like it's that's I, I was thinking like, oh, like for like an all that'll be gone game, within two years. That'll be gone yeah, within two years. I'm sure they will find some way to like make money off of that. Like they might walk like they might gate it off and be like, you have to pay a ticket to come in and see that to sit there or something. Um, but like I was just thinking, like, God, that would be that'll be cool if like during like say like a playoff game or like a cup final game or something in Seattle, that's gonna be a cool spot to like see it to like see that witness that. So like I thought uh, overall, I think they did a very good job of the building. I think the Kraken uh, look awesome. Like as like a whole like franchise unit looks really, really cool. Uh, but I'm very happy the Canucks won the first game. Like they needed that. They absolutely needed to win that game in my, in my opinion, not just for this season, just in the general aspect of playing of, of starting a Vancouver Seattle rivalry. They needed to win the first one. That's what matters, and they did it. They're the first team to win at Climate Pledge. Yeah, they'll, right they'll always, they're always going to have the bragging rights that we won the first game. You can yeah. never take that away from the Vancouver Canucks. And it's a very similar situation to what we talked about in our recap against Chicago, right? Yes, they got the win. They got the good points. That's good. But there's still areas of concern. They, they didn't play, like you mentioned, they didn't play a, a full 60-minute effort that got them the two points. It was spurts that got them the two points. I would say if there's one thing to take away of concern from these past two games and that game uh, in Seattle is like you said, they did not play a full 60 minutes. They got the win, but I mean, I mean well, well, let's put it this way. It's reason for concern that they didn't, you know, play a full 60 minutes, but it's also cause for optimism. Like, Hey, we didn't play a full 60 minutes. We still won. Imagine if we're a consistently good team for a full game, how more comfortably we'd be winning these games against the likes of Chicago and Seattle, right? I mean, two sides of the coin, I think. Yeah, it's it's very much a double-edged sword where it's like on one hand, yeah, you on one hand, if you if you're winning games while not necessarily giving your full best effort, um you're that's pretty darn good. That's great. But at the same time, it, the worry becomes, well, what if this becomes your your ceiling? Like what if this becomes your ceiling of putting in a full 100% work is only this and this is all you can do that's when it get that's where the real worry comes in is like this might be their best their best effort might be this and we don't know it yet so but again i think we you and i both believe that i think they're a better team than this lets on than they let on to be right now thus far i have i would say the closest i've seen to their to a full 100 effort from them was in game one against edmonton like that was the first night that i was like that was the one game where i was like oh they really looked like they were playing better and they were playing a lot better and they deserved a better fate than they ended up with um they yeah the the rest of the game i would they say have, the same thing for the game against detroit as well i know you disagree but that's a game they should have gotten at least one point out of they had chances to tie that game many chances they had chances to tie. They had chances to tie it for sure, but I also think there were long stretches where they were not good enough. Like that first period against Detroit, where they the first period against Detroit, the Red Wings were the better team. Like they were clearly outchancing them. They were controlling the play. The the Canucks got better as the game went on, but like that first period was rough. The first period was rough in that game. I think that we're gonna eventually they're gonna pull it a full sixty minutes. I think it's most likely gonna come pretty soon here, especially when you have the home crowd. Uh, you have the home crowd behind you in over the next seven games, I think. Pretty long home stretch, I think, for them. Um, so I think we're gonna see some we're gonna get to we're gonna get to know exactly what this team is like over the next this homestand. And then we can kind of guesstimate from there what's gonna happen and how they're and how confident we're feeling in the group. 
Yeah, and I, and I think this Vancouver Seattle uh, the Canucks Kraken rivalry is going to get a lot more a lot more fun when we can freely you know go up and down from the border, right? Like obviously, right? You can still you could have gone to the the, the Kraken game. It just would have been tough because you got it's essentially tack on an extra two hundred dollars because you need a negative test uh, before you come back up, right? So yeah. I think I think the rivalry is going to get a lot more fun for both sets of fans once you can freely go up and down the border and you know Canucks fans can go down to Seattle Kraken fans can go come up to Rogers Arena the rivalry will be a, a lot more fun when there's a lot more free movement uh, uh across the border one player who against the Seattle Kraken maybe didn't have uh the best game was Elias Pettersson we're going to get to that in just a moment but first uh, a word from our sponsor Direct TV today I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle Direct TV Stream brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So stop waiting and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. Learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Okay, Lachlan. Uh, Elias Patterson. It has not been the best. Well, again, against Seattle, he wasn't at his best, and I would I would continue that against uh, Chicago and Buffalo as well. It, it has not been the best stretch uh, of games for Elias Patterson, and I want to address this in two ways. I, yes, Elias, like it, for some people, I think online, it's it's sacrilegious to criticize Elias Patterson from some reason you're you're a bad you're a bad fan for criticizing Elias Patterson and that's not true. like it both things can be true Lachlan in my opinion yes he's Elias Patterson and he's gonna figure it out we've seen enough of him over the past you know three seasons now into his fourth season with the Vancouver Canucks that he will figure this out but also at the same time he hasn't been that good to start the season. I think especially at five on five, uh, especially is where is where I notice it is, you know, him and his line mates, especially the lotto line uh, against Chicago and against Seattle as well. There was multiple shifts where they were hemmed in their defensive zone and they weren't pushing the play uh, in the offensive zone themselves. So I think both things can be true with Elias Patterson's situation. Yes, he is going to figure it out at some point. I don't, I don't have any doubt about that, but also he's struggled to, to start the season. Like it's okay to say Elias Patterson has struggled to start the season. You just have to qualify that by saying I, he's going to probably figure it out. Like I think it's a bit overboard when some fans online saying, Oh, look at that. He's, now he's making seven and a half million dollars a year and he's overpaid and he's lazy. It's not, yeah. it's not that it's not that yeah. like it, he's, he's just, he's just struggling right now, but also it's okay to criticize Elias Patterson. You're not a bad fan for pointing out because in my opinion, it's pretty obvious right now. And he's yeah. going to figure it out. But at the same time, you know, he has been struggling, especially at five on five. Yeah, no player is below criticism. It's just the matter of, you know, uh, tempering it and not being and not making it seem so personal and not and not going like for the personal aspect where, yeah, yeah. some people have it's been. It's not because really he's wearing harping. too much Balenciaga. It's not because he's, you know doing drives tiktoks or whatever Whenever, that stuff drives me crazier than yeah just the else. old man yelling at like, cloud takes serious and it's and it's also one of those things where it's definitely like for some people you know for sure that they're it's like if if he were canadian they wouldn't say a word about that stuff it's just because he's not he's not canadian 
Uh, there's definitely that aspect in there for some people. Um, but yeah, like th that's not like, he's definitely, he has definitely struggled to start the year. Like he's had a tough start. I would say in the Seattle game, like I was noticing a couple mistakes that he was making and a couple plays he was making that were very uncharacteristic. My biggest worry, honestly, is that he might still be like injured as like, because there were a couple cases where it looked like, I'm like, like specifically like the way that he was handling the puck. It's like, that doesn't look like the kind of like the smooth, like ha silky hands that we're used to seeing from. Yeah. Elias Pettersson. So my biggest worry is that wrist of his, as the wrist is like not healed up. Um, I don't know that. For, obviously, I don't know that that for fact or anything. So don't quote me on well, that. Well, that's something like, that, that shows the type of player Elias Pettersson is, and and the expectations right. are because Elias Pettersson has reached a mold where if he's struggling, you have to assume he's injured, right? Like that's what you do yeah. for very good players. If a player struggling, oh, is he injured? Is he injured? Is there an injury you don't know about? And like that, yeah. that's honestly the way you said, oh, he must be injured. That's a compliment. Yeah, that's, that's the case with, yeah, of course. That's the case with great, yeah, great players can play through a lot of things. They can play through a lot of stuff, but you know, not everything. Like it's not like it, it they can't, they're not, they're not superhuman. They're not indestructible. Yeah. That's, and that's kind of the thing with greatness in the sense is like, eventually your body just can't hold that hold that weight to a certain degree. Like Pavel Bure for, was a great example of a guy who probably, you know, could have done a lot more in his career had it, had his, uh, had his legs been able to kind of keep up and they hadn't worn down so badly over the course of his career. Right. Uh, and really shortened his career span. Um, he, yeah. And like Pedersen, obviously we're not talking about that necessarily. Oh God, like knock on wood or anything like that yeah, ever, knock on wood, or, knock on wood. ever in our lives. But I do, you do have to chalk up the idea that like Pedersen is, you know, you expect more from Petey after what we've seen him capable of doing. I think that he has definitely struggled. I think he's definitely having a harder time to start the year than he has in past seasons, but definitely the idea that he has been absolute trash and the, the worst player, uh, like absolutely do, doing nothing is overblown. It's completely, that's completely overblown. He's still getting his opportunities. Uh, he's still, I believe relatively hit, like hitting like one of the higher guy, the guy's highest in shot totals on the team. Like he's still like leading the team in those, in that front. He's just not having the puck go in necessarily as much. And I'm, yeah, I would, I would say as far as like the current day, I'm a little concerned just in the terms of like health wise and everything. And if whether or not uh, that's a, playing a factor, but as far as the long-term successes, every player goes through cold streaks. Every player goes through tough stretches. Uh, the be Even the best, whether you're Connor McDavid, whether you're Sidney Crosby, whether you're- I mean, Alex Lachlan, Vecchio. what's the old saying? Every goal scorer is streaky. I, I think you could say the same about, yeah. you know, players like Elias Patterson. Like these guys go through streaks. And I, I fully expect them very soon uh, yeah. or in the near future to, to rip it up. Yeah. It's, and, but it's okay it, that he struggled so far this season. Yeah. Because just don't has. chalk it up to like a lack of effort because that's yeah. not the case with him. It's not a lack of effort thing. It's just he's having a tougher – he's having a tougher start to the year than he'd like. And I'm sure that'll – and I'm sure that will end pretty quickly. Yeah. And I think – I don't think it's a serious problem. I think it's just – early struggles at the very least. And maybe, you know, getting back home to, to Rogers arena, getting in his own bed uh, is the cure for all this, right? Like the Canucks are going to start a seven game, uh homestand uh, starting Tuesday night against the Minnesota wild. Maybe some home cooking does him well. Maybe, you know, maybe, you know, just playing in the friendly confines of Rogers arena 
uh, gets them going uh, to yeah. start this season. Because I going down the stretch of the season, they're going to need Elias Patterson to be Elias Patterson if they want to make the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. And I I don't think there's any worry in my mind that provided he's healthy, that that's going to, he won't figure it out. Like that's going to be, uh, Elias Patterson being one of your best scorers, one of your top, one of your go-getters is a, a guarantee every single year. I'm not worried in the slightest that it's going to affect him for the rest of the year, that this is going to be like, this is his year. Like this, I very much am of the mindset that it's going to get better as he goes and he's going to get a lot better as he goes. Yeah, and and it comes at, at, at a uh, at a point where Quinn Hughes was playing really well. Like Quinn Hughes has come out of you know the shortened training camp for him. They both kind of had both shortened training camps, but Quinn Hughes has been playing pretty well. I would say to start season, especially that game against Chicago. He was that well, it was rookie year Quinn Hughes in Chicago. He he was you know holding pucks in, you know wheeling and dealing at the blue line. He was awesome, um, but it, it hasn't worked out the same for Elias Pettersson. That would be maybe one area of concern is. Quinn Hughes is doing well. Elias Patterson isn't. So there might be something there. But again, it's still early. He's going to turn around, right? Yeah, he's going to. I have no doubt. No doubt in my mind. Full stop. He's going to figure it out. Absolutely. And uh, Elias Patterson has struggled. There's been a few teams in the Pacific Division who have struggled. We're going to wrap up this show with a little bit of a Pacific Division check-in. How are the teams around the Vancouver Canucks in the division doing to start the season? Uh, but first, a quick word from our friends at Built Bar. Do you know how Built Bar has so many delicious flavors? There's something truly for everyone. When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their faves. If you don't know the Built Bar flavors, well, you're missing out. They have great flavors like coconut, cherry barcia, mint brownie. I'm a classic flavor guy. I like the strawberry, the orange, the cookies and cream. And if you haven't tried all the flavors, you get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but guess what? They're healthy for you too. They have 17 to 18 grams of protein, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and calories ranging from 130 to 180. Order today and get the Crass Hopper cookie or raspberry or whatever you like. Go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 50% off Built.com. So Lachlan, uh, we're at you know an early stage in the season, but still nice to to check out how the other teams in the Pacific Division are doing uh, surrounding the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, everyone's played uh, at least four games. Calgary being the team that has played four games. Uh, looking at the at the standings right now for Pacific Division, uh, San Jose Sharks off to a really good start, four and one. Uh, you know, they got a. Uh, they got eight points to the Canucks, seven with a, with a game in hand. So they've gone off to a great start. I don't think people were saying, you know, a Sharks were a tanking team or anything like that. They're not in the Arizona-Buffalo category, but I didn't, I don't think many people thought they would be a, a playoff team to, uh, to to start the season. Again, it's still very early, but the start, Sharks are uh, off to a really good start. The uh, the Golden Knights obviously have, have a few injuries. No Max Pacioretty, uh, no Mark Stone, no Alex Tuck as well. But they're one in four. They're struggling to start the season. Uh, not a good start for Vegas. The Oilers. The Oilers are five and zero, oh, undefeated. Twenty-four goals for, thirteen goals against. They've had a tremendous start to the start of the season. And that power play. That power play is shaping up to be, you know, just an all-time power play in my opinion. Like the amount of options and the way they just snap it around on the power play just 
you don't you don't want to take penalties against Edmonton Oilers because it's like almost God, 40 no. but I would say like it's a coin flip whether you're gonna you're gonna get, get a goal conceded or not uh Calgary in fourth they're a team where if you told me they would get off to a, a great start and would be top of the division early I would said yeah I can see it or you know they, they could have like flamed out at the beginning and be where Vegas is I would have been like yeah sure like I, I I didn't think anything anything was in the realm of possibility for a team like the Calgary Flames, but they got two games ahead on the Canucks with just uh, two uh, two points behind. So maybe a team to watch out for going forward. Uh, the Kraken, obviously, not a good start to the to their inaugural season one four and one, but still plenty of time for them. Yeah. And the uh, the Kings and the Ducks, kind of where we thought they were, uh, maybe not as bad, maybe not bottom of the division like we thought early on, but not not a playoff team uh, at least currently. So Lachlan. Uh, a few surprises in the Pacific Division. It, it, we we said it. I think we talked about the uh, the Pacific Division in one of our preview shows for this Canuck season. Is that's one of the reasons they can make the playoffs? Is the Pacific Division is just such a crapshoot out of teams like the Oilers and uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. But even a team like Vegas is struggling early. So uh, there there is an opportunity here for the Vancouver Canucks to take advantage of the chaos. Oh, 100%. Uh, like, especially with the, like, in the case of the Golden Knights, like, we, I think, I think you, you and I are probably in agreement on this. I know a lot of people were in agreement on this that, like, Vegas, before the season, Vegas had first place sewn up. Like, everybody yeah. was like, oh, this is theirs. Like, there's, there's no one who can touch them. Edmonton can't do it. Uh, Seattle won't do it. Calgary, Vancouver, no one's going to do it. Um, and again, we want to clarify, it's still early for Vegas. Like they have, they've been hit early. by injury bug pretty, pretty hard. Like no Mark Stone, that's, no Max Pacioretty. That's, that's two thirds of their, of the opening line. So yeah. And that's the kicker, right? Is they've lost right now. They're mm-hmm. without, and not just without Pacioretty. The points Stone in October count a point, count the same as the points in April, Lachlan. Like these points still matter. But the whole, but once you dig yourself into that hole, it's hard exactly. to dig yourself out. So, and they're also missing like Alec Martinez is out. Uh, Zach Whitecloud is out. Nolan Patrick is injured. Like they have, like they're missing so many guys right now. Uh, so many key guys. And right now that means the Pacific, because of that, I, you know, the Pacific's ripe for the taking. Someone is going to step up. Obviously that's Edmonton right now. And that's probably going to be the Oilers to the Oilers advantage more than anybody else's. But this is also the Canucks chance to, like build their lead. You gotta, you gotta pad the lead because eventually you're right. Vegas is going to get healthy again. Most, most likely Vegas is going to get healthy again and they're going to start to climb back up. So the best thing you can do right now, if you're the Canucks is win as many games as you can. Now build that cushion, build that cushion between you and Vegas as far as you possibly can. So that way, when they do start playing back up to the level you expect from the Vegas Golden Knights, you're you've got you've got the space and you've got the room to make an error or two. That's that's your best opportunity right now is to build build it and again put them in the hole, put them as far in the hole as you possibly can, so that it's hard it's impossible for them to dig themselves fully out. Yeah, and I think this seven game homestand for the Vancouver Canucks is the perfect opportunity opportunity sorry to do that. They got seven games points. at home. 14 points up for grabs in seven games. That's a lot of points that you can move. That's a lot of of points you can put yourself between between you and uh, the teams at the bottom, right? Yeah, and and just look at the schedule for the Vancouver Canucks. Obviously, the Minnesota Wild uh, tomorrow night, uh, the home opener. I like Minnesota. They're, I think, top of the central, no, second in the the central division. The Blues are first in the 
in they the had Central a tough, Division. They had a tough outing against uh, Nashville yesterday. They had a bit of a tough night. Um, so they're coming Yeah, in but, you know, my, Minnesota was my dark horse team at the start of the season. I really like Minnesota, so that's not going to be um, a, an easy game for the most part. But you look at some of these look at some of these other games. They've got the Rangers, who are been okay to start the season, but still a team I think the Canucks could win against. They got a big game against Oilers, rematch against the Flyers. Like, there's, there's points there for, for the Vancouver Canucks. And I... It, the seven game home stand is a perfect opportunity to pad these points. Like you said, pad the points. Yep. Build the cushion, get up, get that lead as far as you possibly can on the teams at the bottom. That is, that is such a key thing. Like, don't like it, it in a way, like, like you're correct in the sense of like, yeah, April points count for the same as October points. Like they, they all count the same. Um, which is why it's so important to take those wins early as seriously as you can. Don't look at them as throwaways. Don't look at them as, um, don't look at them as just like, ah, oh, we got time. We can figure this out because very quickly you'll run it because it, it's, it always sneaks up on you how quickly you run out of runway. So you never want to leave it to chance. Like even now, like we're two get like the Canucks are two games away from being basically 10% of the way through their schedule. Like eight eight games is ten percent of your year, more or less. Big um, math guy here. Yeah, with a with a with a, obviously like the two extra games throwing it a little bit under that ten, but it's like you know it's close enough. Um, and yeah, that's a lot of and that's very quickly that those chunks of games add up over time, and you're suddenly you're a month you're a month out from the season from the season ending, and you may be in fifth, or you're maybe in like you're just out of the playoffs, and you're wondering what happened. So you got to make your, you got to make your, your moves early and, and try and put the con, put yourself in the right mindset that every game is a playoff game. And for this seven game homestand, what's interesting is only two of these games are in the Pacific division, right? You got the game against Oilers and you got the last game of the homestand uh, against the Anaheim Ducks. So five teams uh, outside of your division. We, we, I think we, I talked about this on a, on a previous episode, maybe the game against the Flyers. Like it's, it's okay if you, you know, lose, you know, you know, give a, a gift, another team outside your division a point by, you know, playing, going to overtime or something like that. Not ideal when you're playing, you know, a team in your division against uh, like the Edmonton Oilers or the Anaheim Ducks. Those games you got to win in regulation, in my opinion. I'm going to say, I'm going to say just based on how the first homestead went, or the first road trip went, uh, no, no giving up points to anybody. It doesn't matter if they're in the East. Don't give up any points. Uh, I'd rather not, but I'd rather have, but look, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And I'd rather have it happen against Eastern conference teams or teams like in a central division. You're not essentially battling for a playoff sort directly. Sure, but if you're the Canucks, you should treat every game like you're playing. No, I'm not. I'm not saying that they should be throwing. You suggesting? I'm saying they should be throwing games. Teams have that mentality. You see it all the time, where they're like, "Ah, oh, it's a game against the East. It doesn't matter if we like feather the time for the next ten minutes of the third period and just let it go to OT." Like that's not that's not a you that's a team an NHL team mentality. They always do that. And I want to see the Canucks not do that. I want to see the Canucks if they're in a tight game, tied at two in the in uh, tied at two with ten minutes to go in the third. Push for the third. Push for that last goal. Get it. Don't let them. Don't finish it in regulation. You be aggressive. I want to see them be aggressive and play like it. You know. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm interested to see where this Pacific Division is after the seven game homestand for the Vancouver Canucks because uh, Sharks have gone off to a good start. Am I expecting them to be, you know, a, a playoff team by end of the season? Probably not. 
Uh, are the Vegas Golden Knights going to figure this out? Can the Edmonton Oilers keep up this torrential hot start to, to start this? I guess torrential is more rain than hot, but you know what I mean? Like, are they yep. able to be like 10 and 0 or something like that? I doubt it, but you know, they've gone off to, to a great start. So it'll be interesting to see, I think, especially by the end of, of the seven game homestand where the Pacific division is, because obviously by then we'll have a bunch more games from all these teams. We'll have a better, we'll have a better idea of who the Canucks are going to be battling for, for one of those playoff spots and in, and maybe at a wild card spot as well. Yep. 100%. You're going to be fighting with a lot of teams for some weird, for some weird positioning. Um, best to make the best to try and make, uh, make yourself the dominant force while you can. Yeah. Bank the points now while you can in uh, October and November, and it'll serve you well come crunch time in April, but that has it for today's episode of Locked on Canucks, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. As always, thank you for making Locked on Canucks your first listen of the day. Now make sure your second listen of the day is Locked on Fantasy Hockey. Host Scott Cullen leans on his decades of fantasy hockey insight and experience every day to help you be the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available on all platforms. My name is Nick Bondi. You can follow me on Twitter at Nick Bondi. You can follow Lachlan at Lock in the crease and Lachlan, where can people find your writing? You find my writing on CanucksArmy.com. I've already uh, I posted a few articles on there over the weekend, uh, including uh, talking about um, uh, the Canucks' first like five observations from the Canucks' first five games of the season, and a little bit of a a little bit of pregame stuff for Seattle. But you'll be seeing a lot more of stuff like that for me down the line. Yeah, that five observations article is great. I actually just read it uh, before we started recording here. So good stuff, Lachlan. Uh, make Thank sure you. everyone uh, re- reads reads that. And once again, this is Locked On Canucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for listening.